This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It showed me that I could feel that way again. And it made me realize that all of these things that I've been looking for, all this comfort and all of this validation and all of this like acceptance of my dark sides and my, my mistakes and all of that was really, it had to come from me. Welcome to Habits You Love, a thought-provoking podcast about self-love, self-healing, and spiritual evolution. I'm Kayla Fazio, and with each episode, it is my mission to expand your mind to what you think is possible for you and provoke thoughts of looking at your own healing you may need and help you discover the power you have within you to build healthy habits and create a life you love. Now, let's get to the episode. Very persuasive. So I quit my job because I had to and married her. Oh my gosh. Like had a wedding with my family and my friends and yeah, like I was like, okay, I'll be, I'll just be out there and take the whatever I'm going to take here in the city. And I did. And then I found out, and this is, we'll get into a little bit more of this because this was really leading to the rock bottom. But then I found out that she was, in fact, married to someone else. Hillary! <laughs> someone who she had portrayed to me as a roommate and friend. Oh, my. And now looking back, I'm like, I thought it was weird that that girl had a problem with our relationship, that she didn't come to the wedding. Like, that all seemed weird, being yeah. your best friend. Anyway, so now, what's my first thought? Not like my heart's broken. My first thought is, I'm on her insurance. Like, this is probably illegal. Like, I'm breaking the law or something because I'm claiming benefits as, like, a married person. Mm. And, like, what has happened fraudulently here, you know? So you would think think again that, like, it would be like, like, the universe is basically like, here is your chance Mm. to run. Mm. Like, here you go. Like, and I didn't. Mm. I tried to fix it. She got it annulled, and I married her again. Wait, how? To make it legal. Oh, she got annulled from her other person? Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. So, of course, there's a big story and a bunch girl. of lies, and it was all a yeah. big The thing. other girl had to have known you guys were getting married. Yeah. So she just didn't ever say anything. So she basically, never came to you and said, hey, I'm married to her. No. So there was just a lot of manipulation and lies and, you know, being kept apart and in the dark. And so I was always, and and it was, this was the most toxic relationship I've ever been in in my life. It literally almost killed me, Mm -hmm. Um, my spirit Mm -hmm. and my soul. With a female narcissist. With a female narcissist, which I never would have thought. So interesting. Um, I remember one night, um, like, getting into bed, you know, turning on the TV or, you know, whatever, settling with the dogs. And she turned to me and she said, I don't think I can be with someone that looks like you. 
and I just remember thinking, what? And she said, you know, she's like, you've just you've lost a lot of weight, and that's a reflection of how I'm treating you, and I'm just not okay with that. Like, you don't look healthy, and people are going to think that I'm oh, so no. saying that out loud. I'm like, that's insane. God. But at the time, my fear of abandonment, and now failing again yeah. after this relationship that I've had to even, you know, kind of come out or whatever you want to call it to, mm-hmm. to be in, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to make it work. And this is where yeah, I really relate to kind on. of, yeah. yeah, like your yeah. situation there because I was really trying to make it work. Like I was like, let's get these counseling workbooks. Let's get this. Let's get that. But yeah, it was, I was slowly isolated from all of my friends, from all of my family. Um, she was like, you don't need to be teaching at that yoga studio. Tiffany doesn't treat you the way you should be treated. I mean, you know, those types of things. Mm-hmm. You deserve your own place. Mm-hmm. Always making it look like it's for you. Yeah. And really it's for them. She said that she wanted me to consider having a baby. And I said, well, I don't know that I wanted, I think I'm, you know, I didn't really want to do that. I right? one. <laughs> and she said to me, and I'll never forget, she said to me, well, if we have a child, then I'll have something that you can never take from me if you leave. And that's scary. That seems scary. scary. It seems scary. So much control. A so lot of control. So that went on for, you know, I guess about three years or so, but, and it was up and down and, and really bad. And um, so like I gained all this weight purposefully so that I would look the way she wanted me to look. I cut my hair and dyed it brown so that it would I would be less desirable for anyone else because she was always jealous. Mm. You know, you're always touching people in yoga. Your hands are all over people. You know, just stuff like that. I'm like, it's my freaking job. Yeah. And it's sometimes gross, so stop, you know? I mean, anyway, so we had three really um, kind of knockdown drag out fights. That all, that all three resulted in injury. And the third and final one, she slammed my head into the door jam and fractured my skull. And that's the night I left. Did you call the police? I called the police. Um, and she ran. She left the house after it happened. Actually, I, I ran from the house. It was a very traumatic evening. Um, I was running down the streets, banging on doors, begging for help, barefoot, you know, in my pajamas or whatever, feeling like a complete lunatic. Mm. Drinking, of course, which doesn't make it better, but it was, you know, it was not a good look. Mm. And um, police did come, and I think a neighbor maybe called or something, and, and, and they did come, and that was the night I left, though, and I, and I left that relationship with nothing. I had no car, I had no money, because everything had been merged, the house was in her name, the car that I was driving was in her name, um, I didn't have really a job, I had this studio that I loved with all my heart, but I knew that I was not going to be able to sustain it on my own. Um, and make any money to live and raise a daughter. Did she go to jail? Did she get arrested? No, so I did not press charges that night. Sometimes, I don't know if Oklahoma is like that. I don't think it is where they have to take, no, I don't think we're a mandatory arrest state. So, um, so nothing really happened, but I did get out and things were very tumultuous after that. Um, you know, I stayed, like people helped me out like with places to stay, you know, in this time, all time, I'm like a mom, Yeah. you know? So my daughter, I'm like, yeah, go stay at so-and-so's house for 
As long as you yeah, can. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they'll let you. As long as you can. Because I was just a complete disaster. My drinking was at its highest. Um, people probably from them would be surprised to know that, I mean, my water bottle had a constant stream of vodka in it. I was teaching 5 a.m. spin classes with vodka and water. Um, and I was never drunk. And I was never not capable of doing what I needed to do. Um, I was just... It took the edge off yeah. and it kept me Numbing. moving. I was very high functioning, very alcoholic, alcoholic. And um, so things just spiraled right there. Um, my alcoholism was at its worst ever. I ended up closing my studios down because I couldn't. I opened a second studio. OU asked me to open a studio on campus. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I had failed all these relationships. I was now had so much shame that I was carrying around for so many reasons and so many layers. And that was it. So my rock bottom, I would say, was really when I decided to get sober. You know, I was drinking, I was boozing, hanging out, partying, socializing, just kind of barely getting by. And I started to get sick. Like, I started to hurt. Like, my body started to hurt. I woke up one morning and I had bruises all over my thighs and I didn't really know what was going on. And um, like I couldn't lift one of my arms, and then I started like I started having blood in my urine, and I was like, "Oh my god, like something's actually wrong." Yeah. <laughs> and I went to the ER, and at the ER, basically he said, "There's nothing wrong with you. You're drunk. You need to get help." And he sent me home. So there's nothing physically wrong with your body. Well, there was, yeah. but I think that like I don't know. It was you a very strange experience. Anything. I think yeah. he was very put off that I had an alcohol level, which I did. Mm. So my alcohol levels when I went into the ER, so this is a Thursday morning, like 10 a.m., I got up, I had some coffee, maybe a little vodka water, but nothing, like, I wasn't, you know, like, nothing. Yeah. I've been sleeping all night. It's a like, normal day. It's a normal day. I gotta go teach a spin yeah. class in a little bit, whatever. My blood alcohol level was far beyond morbidity. I don't remember exactly what it was, like 592. So I should have been dead. I shouldn't have walked into that. I was literally slowly just poisoning and killing my body because I was just trying not to hurt. Not because, you know, and it was just Isn't that crazy? I a miserable to place to be because it got to the point that I couldn't really survive without it because I'd start shaking and having palpitations. And then I really thought I might die. I was like, what if I have a heart attack? I need a little, just a little bit, just so I don't have a heart attack. I mean, it was really the most painful. Mm. My, I, my yoga practice was gone during that time because I closed my studio and I really didn't feel like I could walk back into a studio because I felt like I'd betrayed all my fellow. I felt yeah. like a traitor yeah, a little traitor. bit. Yeah. And, and it was all because I'd gotten sucked into this relationship, you know, the divorce thing. I was just like, please let me out. And it was all about money for her. I even signed um, the paperwork that I would not report the incident to her work. Mm. Um, like a non-disparaging mm -hmm, stuff. Like, yeah, like I wouldn't, you know, say what happened. I did the same thing. I signed a, like, non-disparagement. Mm -hmm. Which, looking back now, it's like a complete bullshit piece of paper. But, so stupid. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, at the time you were like, scared. And it was like, I'll give you this much of the house yeah. if you but you have to sign all these things so nobody will ever know and I was like okay fine like I just need out I just want out so that's rock bottom and that was in 2018 how old were you 40 something wow whatever 2018 so you think the age of 13 to that it was just unawareness 
I think it was like I knew something was wrong. I think, you know, I'd been through treatment. I'd been sober for a period of years. I knew that was a better thing for me. But I also had to, like, I'm hurting and and I don't want to. And this is... And I also had that lie that a lot of addicts tell ourselves, which is that we can... We'll be okay. We've had enough time now that maybe just a little. Maybe just maybe can, I'm in a better place. I can now. handle it now. I can handle it now. But it's a slippery slope. And so I did get sober in 2018, and that was probably uh, my darkest moments, and also you know where the growth started yeah, happening, where I really healing. started seeking beyond just the superficial healing, but yeah. really like how do I really heal? Yeah. Where's my spiritual connection in this? Where? Who am I? Why am I here? What's my freaking purpose? Like, why am I even here? Because there were a lot of dark nights that I didn't want to be there, you know. And that's a hard place. It's a hard place to be. To come back from. Yeah. During, and so in 2018, um, I had two big gifts. I had my sobriety, um, which was kind of my life at that point in time, because, you know, I shouldn't have been there. Yeah. So that was a gift. And then <clears throat> somebody, um, not came into my life, but connected in my life in a very special way, which also is part of the healing, and there's some toxicity and some things there too, for the purpose of, you know, my rock bottom, this person who became my best friend, who I sub- 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 I later developed, you know, a different type of intimate relationship with. A female or a male? Male. Really became my best friend and my ally during that time and just said, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And he was going through a rough time as well. You know, I think I was able to be there for him, enter trauma bond because that's usually how that mm-hmm. stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Now, this was different than anything I've ever experienced in my life. Um, I very much Did loved. you feel like he was at a place that you used to be and you were helping him being a little bit farther ahead or you guys were both in the same? No, I feel like we were both lost. Okay, you were both lost, being lost together. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, he gave me a false sense of, I'll take care of you, you're safe. And I think I gave him a sense of, I'll hold your heart and you know, mm-hmm. and be there for you. And you got to be careful with something like that mm-hmm. because it rapidly went from just being there as a friend to, you know, a very in-touch, intimate relationship. And this is not someone who was available mm-hmm. to be in a relationship mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. Why is that the people we want the most? Yeah. And like, relationships that I've had that I felt physically like addicted to where I'd be like I can't stop thinking about them they give me all these feelings uh-huh. they've been the most emotionally available people yeah but I'm somehow like ah oh, but I need you yeah not now but in the past yeah and I think that's a pattern of mine yeah too you know like kind of but but there was this very genuine there's a very genuine love and friendship at the root of all of it mm-hmm. and that makes things very complicated So I would say that this was a huge turning point because what this person gave me was this kind of unconditional, again, love. I was seen and I was accepted. And he knew all my my bad parts. Like, he saw me 
when I was having DDTs from alcohol withdrawal, mm. you know, like curled up in a ball. Um, and it can be dangerous and it's scary. And, you know, detoxing is not a fun thing. I was not under medical supervision. I was at home just trying wringing it out, you know, yeah. just, just trying to do it, feeling depressed and scared. And, and but even in that, he saw me. And so what, even though that relationship was not something that was going to end up working and it was something that I very painfully had to leave, which is sort of how I got to Florida mm-hmm. inadvertently mm-hmm. for everyone's well-being in the situation. But it, it showed me that I could feel that way again and it made me realize that all of these things that I've been looking for, all this comfort and all of this validation and all of this like acceptance of my dark sides and my, my mistakes and all of that was really, it had to come from me. Oh, I love that, yeah. And he showed me like that I was worth it, or he helped me believe that I was worth it, to where I decided to find this, mm. like for myself, because I finally was able to look back, you know, especially without alcohol in my brain, and look back and go, oh my God, look what I've been doing. Like, I've just been doing this. And I always knew I'd been doing that, but I'd been beating myself up for it. Mm. Like, God, you can't get it together. You just can't keep a relationship. But now I'm able to look back and go, oh my God, you were hurting so much and you just wanted someone to help you. Like, you just wanted someone to... And that person is you, though. But that person is ultimately me. Like, I'm the only person. Because we would... I mean, eventually, we're going to... It's all we got yeah. is what's, you know, where we come from yeah. and where we're going. Yeah. As For much love. to that, I think I love the quote, when the student is ready, the master will show. So I think that was when you were finally ready. Yeah. You weren't ready. So that person was the master, quote unquote, to help you in that time of need. And then also one of my recent podcasts, that was one of my life lessons I've learned is everything you're searching for is within you so absolutely there's no right or wrong time whenever that has to come and show you that there's yeah. no like oh what should have happened in your 20s it should you should have known it at this time it's when you are ready which will be different for everyone it will not it will have to show itself to you When you look at your hair, are you 100% happy? For years, I tried every product under the sun, hoping each would help me improve my hair health and help me achieve my hair goals like non-breakage, shine, and growth. Thanks to Vegamore, not only am I finally seeing results, but my hair is growing quickly and feels super healthy. Vegamore has transformed my hair. Their holistic approach to hair health uses smart botanicals that promote visibility for thicker, fuller, longer hair. With help from Vegamore, get healthy, beautiful looking hair without the use of harmful chemicals. All of their products are cruelty free and never contain parabens or hormones. Vegamore has something for everyone looking to improve their hair health. The Grow Revitalizing Shampoo and Conditioner Kit works together to create visibly thicker hair and improve hair from the roots. Just massage the shampoo into your scalp for 60 seconds and then follow up with the conditioner. It's as simple as that. Having Vegamore as my go-to shampoo and conditioner is a game changer for my overall hair health. 
The quality is far beyond supermarket hair products, and I love the way it lathers into my hair, making it feel clean and healthy. With Vegamore, there is no risk when trying because they have a 90-day money-back guarantee. But with 91% of customers saying they saw visibly thicker hair with Vegamore, in just three months, you won't want to run out. Get the hair you have always wanted with Vegamore. Go to vegamore.com habits and use code habits to save 20% on your first order. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash habits, code habits. And that's exactly sort of how it unfolded is this, you know, this person, um, you know, who is so much my mirror mm. and reflection in so many ways. Like we were able, I was able to experience that with someone and it was a really beautiful thing. And even though that turned into a painful situation, that did become somewhat toxic, especially, you know, trying to maintain that through mm-hmm. different states. And, you know, there's just a lot to that that doesn't, you know, it's a whole different episode. But the pain, I guess, of dissolving or having to walk away from the relationship that I wanted was really where my growth happened. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, like, my awakening to, like, what needed to happen happened probably back around 18. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot for me that stood in between knowing what needed to be done and actually doing the doing. Totally. It like happen like, overnight. I mean, I could, I could, I mean, you know, inspire people with all the great ideas and quotes and, mm. and what I should be telling myself. But then like, I was like, I have to walk the walk. I have to do scary things. I have to stand on my own and make these moves. So that's why I was like, I don't like Oklahoma. I'm not, my daughter's now 18. It's time. If you're going to go, let's go. COVID hit so during um i lost my voice so literally over the course of that um very toxic relationship and then that following year into 2018 i literally lost my voice i had complete vocal cord repair surgery the month before covid Mm. so i went into covid with no voice That'd be kind of a blessing. It was a blessing, except if you want to talk to anyone because you're stuck in your house. And so I couldn't call and I couldn't get on the Zoom thing. I couldn't teach via Zoom. I couldn't, you know. But it forced you. But it forced me to really be in me. And it was a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. And so this kind of journey has been kind of reclaiming my voice. In a way, since then. And then when I decided, you know, this is... As much as you can love someone, sometimes you have to walk away for everyone's well-being. And when I made that decision, and like, I need to grow, and I have things I need to do in the, in the world, and I have a purpose that needs to be served, and I need to figure out where that is. And I decided to move. I looked all around. I looked California and, and Arizona and different places and found my way here. And this, this is where the growth happened, because I just packed my car and drove here. And that was it. And I didn't really have a plan. I just knew that this was the place because when I came here before, it just felt right. And zero explanation. I didn't know anyone. Yeah, so I just came out and I was like, I want to do something different with my life. I remember being at home thinking when I was 45, I remember turning 45 and going, all right, if I'm lucky, my life is half over and I have done nothing that I want. I have done nothing that I'm happy about. Like, this is not what I want at 45 years out of my life and it's time to do something different I love that and so when I got out here it was just like okay 
I can do it. I can do stuff. I'm not incapable. I have a brain. I have an education. I have talent. Like, mm -hmm. so I just started applying for jobs and I just started finding a place to live. And I finally, for the first time, stopped trying to control the outcomes of everything and practice allowing. Mm. And when I do, because it's an ongoing process, it's a daily challenge, but when I do, I find that the right things come to me. And when I start to put my hands in the mess and think, you know, let my ego get involved, like I got to control it or manipulate it, or I start to worry about outcomes or get back into my shame self, then all that stuff falls away. And if I can keep myself in a place of knowing of who I am and why I'm here, and why I just went through that whole journey, which now I understand that everything I need is here. Yeah. And there's really, like, I don't really have anything to worry about because everything will be okay oh if gosh. I stay in that space. That's amazing. That's another thing I had to learn, too, in 2022, all of last year, is stop worrying about the details and the how things are going to happen. I wanted to control every how. Okay, I want this, but how is that going to happen? I have to make it happen. So that was definitely a life lesson for me is allowing, I love, I love that word, just surrendering, obviously, yeah. allowing. And that's probably my most challenging thing because, mm -hmm. you know, when you when you grow up and your conditioning and patterning, patterning is that there's not a lot of boundaries just because you don't really know where they are, not because they're bad necessarily. And you don't see a lot of feelings or emotion and you don't really know how to process that stuff. And, and then you're in a very strict, regimented, controlled environment where it's all about achievement and performance and appearance. And then you experience trauma. I mean, you're kind of setting yourself up for, you know, that road of just kind of seeking. I mean, I just spent 20 plus years looking outside of myself for what I had all along, you know, just like the old, you know, the old Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, right? You know, you can just go right back home anytime you step back into your connection yeah. too. I think that has a little bit to do with people pleasing as well, the control. You want to control people's emotions. You want to control people's outcomes. You want to say, what can I do to make them uh, react this way or to respond this way or to make them feel this way? And I think that has a, just a lot to do with people pleasing, growing up, childhood, not wanting to disappoint people. Yeah. I mean, I th yeah, it's kind of like if you can manage I, I like to use the word management yeah. I feel like I do a really good job managing things I feel like you know like people always say like oh if you're in a crisis call Hillary she's like the best at combat mode and I'm like you know I don't I mean I love it that I'm strong but I don't want to be all the time. I don't want to be good at, at handling trauma. I want to not have as much trauma. Right, that. I want to be good at handling, you know, grace and ease and lightness. And I want to, you know, like I've, you know, my, my main work right now is healing the relationship with my body because that's kind of where it started and where it always sort of comes back to you know like when when you set the relationship down or when you put the booze down like you always come back to yeah. there's food and it's yeah. right there and what does that look like for you for me it's it's been interesting I've you know through my life I've gone through all phases of my relationship with food none of them healthy always having this inner critic keeping score of everything even when I try to tell her to go sit the fuck down <laughs> shut up she's like well you know you kind of had an extra brownie last night you might want to run an extra mile yeah, like so what this is checks that? and balances so your thing. relationship with food is you think you have to uh, earn it work <clears> out, 
that's historically what it's been. Okay. It's been this very, like, you got to even it out. Mm -hmm. So even, like, when I would get better with food, I would take it off on the exercise end. You know, somewhere in my head, that scale had to balance. Mm -hmm. Because, and if it if it went in the lower way, I'd be like, oh, I'd have, like, a little secret satisfaction. And it went in the other way, I'd be like, I can't do anything right. And, you know, and it was just very deeply embedded. And I think that it's so embedded in me um, from such a young age that it, it really is a struggle. But what I will say is that my spiritual connection was the key to that healing because I started realizing that my body isn't me. Like, it's just this container exactly that I've been blessed with to get to run around and do all kinds of fun mm -hmm. stuff. And, and now I'm able to, like, I'll go for a jog in the morning and I try to take a moment and say thank you and, like, I love you to my body like which sounds so like remedial and cheesy but like oh, thank so you for funny. being strong thank you for letting me experience the wind in my face thank you for putting up with all the crazy things I've done to you thank you for still being here you know thank you for just holding it together when I didn't treat it well and so now I'm really trying to find that nice balance place of like you know I I, I want to be healthy and I'm it's important to me but I also want to be happy. Mm. I think that part of that is this feeling that if I'm not a certain way, which in my mind, in those logistics, I will never be. I mean, mm. if I'm the way not, you look, like if I'm not perfect, mm. and whatever perfect means, because I'm never that, yeah. right? Yeah. But in my mind, I have this message: if I'm not perfect, nobody will be attracted to you. Nobody will want you. Nobody, you know. There's this kind of strange attachment of my appearance to having that engagement and so now being in a place where I'm like I'm relationship free I'm enjoying getting to know myself and having a relationship with myself and taking myself on dates bike rides and dates <laughs> and things that feel so weird but yeah. they're okay it's fun um it goes to show that you can do that at any age and like listening to my body yeah. and, and practicing what I preach and you know because I I see that in everyone else mm. you know something really interesting in my line of work and working with people as a quote you know I don't know I'm, I don't want to use the word healer but someone who helps people heal you know I think I used to, I went into that profession initially thinking like if I can help other people that's gonna help me mm. and what I now know just really recently is that by helping myself that's how I'm helping other people totally not you didn't have that solid foundation yeah you're like I need you guys are my foundation I don't have it myself yeah like there's I this old that. kind of idea and I don't like it that's like every counselor needs a counselor which and I agree but I don't like the way that sounds because it's almost like we're working from an incomplete space. But it's kind of like we all just need to be... Because, yes, we do, but we all need to be healing. Every healer needs to be healing. Yeah, that's the... Oh, I love that. It's way better. Because if I'm actively healing and I'm aware and I'm noticing and I'm observing and I'm... You know, I'm not up here, but I'm really experiencing this thing called life. Then I can really help someone because I can share my experience. I can share my strength. Yeah. You know? One of my questions I wanted to ask is what has been your biggest tool in your toolbox when dealing with everything you've gone through? Probably my yoga practice. And why so? Um, I think that... I do have this really deep connection with my body. Um, somebody said at one time, like, as dancers, we live in our body in a way that other people will never understand because we use the, our bodies as our tool. It's how we are expressing emotion. So dancing, I was able to feel rage and anger through movement. So in some ways, I think it was therapeutic. I just didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, so when I found yoga, it was like this familiarity without the judgment. 
and the body stuff. It was this accepted, like I can move and feel good and look the way I look and be accepted. Like, and so I fell in love with it immediately and became a teacher immediately. And I was like, this is like, it's the best thing that I do as far as what I'm good at. Like, I am great at teaching yoga because I love it. I love doing it. And there's times when I've lost that and I can look back now and see where I've lost myself. So a part of it is that that's where I connect to my higher power, to myself, to my body. It's a place where I'm able to get still Mm -hmm. and really like feel. I mean, you know, if my yoga mat could talk. (laughs) I mean, there's been a lot of stuff processed on that mat, you know? And um, it's just a sacred space for me that I'm really lucky to share with others as a yoga teacher. I love that. Anything can make you feel. It could be so many different things for everyone. What makes you feel? What brings out emotion? out of you because at the end of the day we don't want to ever suppress that bottle it up yeah that looks different for everyone how do you express your emotion your creativity your feelings and it so sounds like yeah yeah whether it's movement or your body or maybe it's art or maybe it's music or maybe it's like my daughter is it's food she's a chef she she i see her expression in a way that i've never seen and i'm like oh that's cool yeah it's neat to see someone's different you know yeah so tell us what you do now because we've just heard your story and Meeting you, that's why I wanted you to come on, because I was like, I would never have guessed you have gone through all that, where you currently are today. So what are you, what do you currently do? So currently I kind of, I joke that I have kind of a mixed bag of tricks. Um, if I was going to summarize it, I would say I like to use different modalities to help people, to help empower people um, to realize that they can heal. So some of that is physical, some of that is emotional, some of it's mental, some of it's spiritual. We know it's all really the same. It's just avenues of getting there. So, you know, I work with people as a yoga instructor. I've been teaching yoga for a long time. Um, I do a lot of private sessions with people. Sometimes that looks like just getting to know their bodies or tapping into how do you feel? Have you ever even stopped to think what sensations are coming up? So, you know, meeting people where they are. Some people, it's more of an embodiment practice. It's more like I talk to them about what's going on and I have kind of an intuitive sense of what shapes we need to get into and I let them process emotion and whether that's they want to talk about it or they want me to sit with them or they want me to put their hand on them to have some kind of physical touch where they move or cry or whatever and that's obviously someone who's a little further along in their journey who's willing to you know trust me to do something like that obviously with the history as mental health counselor I mean that's always part of my work even though I would consider myself more of a I hate to use the trendy word coach than anything else but I'm more of a guide or a you know someone who holds space for other people to um, process their own feelings. And then I work on a physical level with the nervous system. So I really firmly believe that we are a culture that is stuck in a fight or flight state. We got a lot of trauma individually, collectively, generationally. We live in a very high stress. It's challenging, you know, and all most people that I know have a nervous system that is a little dysregulated. Yeah. yeah. 
or that moves in and out of that. And obviously you can get there with breath work and guided meditation and yoga, and there's a lot of ways to regulate the nervous system, which we're learning more and more about every day. I have a device called the Newbie, and it's used for a lot of different things, and I've used it for a lot of different things, from personal training to injury rehab to strength building, stuff like that. But right now I'm mainly using it in a capacity um, to stimulate the vagus nerve and to reset, we'll say, people's nervous systems, which brings them back into kind of a homeostasis. So most people that involves getting out of fight or flight and coming into more of a parasympathetic rest and digest state where they can heal. So, you know, even someone that comes in and they're like, I twisted my knee or I tore a meniscus or whatever, I'm like, we need to reset your nervous system. They're like, well, why? It's my knee. I'm like, well, I know, but if your body, mind, whatever, your nervous system thinks that you've got an imaginary tiger in the room, like, it could give a shit about your knee. Mm. Because you're just in this state of chronic stress. We can't heal. Yeah. So we can't heal our physical bodies. We can't process our emotions. You and need to come do a session with I would love for you to. I think amazing. he would love it. So yeah. it's kind of like an induced meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, it runs electrical current through the body. And in this particular um, application, I stimulate the vagus nerve directly. So most people leave feeling different. I was going to ask, is that just a temporary fix? What I tell people is that, you know, I'm not going to take away your problems with this. They're going to be there. Struggles, whatever you want to look at them as. Challenges. Yeah. Yeah. But you should be in a state where you can look at them with some discernment and be like, okay, I need, this is what I need to deal with. What's the first step? Now, I add on different aspects to that. So I'll do guided meditation while someone is having that reset or that neurological stimulation done. Mm -hmm. And I'll cater those to my clients. So if I know that you're coming in because you're really trying to work on boundaries and relationships, I will personally write meditations geared towards that while we're stimulating your nervous Mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. Some people feel like that's really vulnerable. So, and some people will just want to do a little talk therapy. Yeah. And so a lot of their work does happen, you know, in my office, yeah. even though... It's like this therapy session. It is know? a therapy session. But it just can't start and stop there. Right. And what I say is I can get your nervous system. I can pull you out of that fight or flight, but eventually it's your job to sustain that. Exactly. So Because people will say, well, how long does this last? Because exactly. I feel great. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it could last 10 minutes if you go out and start screaming at someone that cuts yeah. you off in traffic. Or it could last a month if you're like, I love this and I want to stay here and I'm going to really focus on maintaining it in my life. So, so you know, so some people will come really regularly for a while because they need that. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of like, you know, like training wheels, we start taking them off and stretching them out. And then eventually, hopefully they maybe just call me after six months and be like, Hey, I need a reset. It's been a rough month. And oh, they come wow. in and they kind of have a little boost and they know what to do and that's awesome. back they go. And so I feel like that's a really cool <clears throat> added tool mm-hmm. just to help people. I feel like if everyone did that once a month, yeah, we'd all be so much better. Like we'd be healthier, you know, I mean, it helps when you stimulate your nervous system, you're stimulating regular digestion, better, you know, sleep patterns, you're improving HRV and recovery rates. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even athletes, I mean, you're going to improve that yeah. recovery post-workout. Yeah. So there's a lot of fun stuff That's with it. That's so awesome. Because my, you know, my main mission, I think, is you can start a self-healing journey at any time. Mm-hmm. And that just sounds like a stepping stone to that. And it's just 
coming to that point of, okay, I know I need to change. What would you suggest the first thing someone should be doing when they want to change, start a self-healing journey, just like really quick? Ooh. I mean, I think definitely reaching out for some kind of help. I think that, you know, I do a lot of individual work on my own. And like I said, I'm an only child. I'm used to having that, like, but I found that the actual growth comes when I reach out. Mm. Um, you know, I work with my healer therapist coach every week. Mm. And that's part of my commitment to myself that I'm doing my work. Mm. Um, so I think finding some kind of connection, maybe it's coming in like to see someone like me and maybe you're not ready for like all the like, I don't want to dive into it, but I know something's off kind of exactly. a thing. It's a soft space to come into. Finding a good space. I think finding a good space, Safe whether space. it's whether it's reaching out to a friend, whether it's getting a therapist mm. that's confidential because that, you know, you don't want people to know right yeah. away. Maybe it's going into a group or just kind of stepping out and saying, I'm struggling and I need help. That's very hard for me to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably for you historically yeah. too, because yeah. I don't. I don't want anyone to. I don't want anyone to think I can't do it. But yeah. when I don't reach out, I operate from a place of lack, and I don't have the relationships I want. I don't have the finances I want. I don't have the abundance that I want when I'm in that space. Mm -hmm. But when I'm able to say. I'm really good at this stuff, but I need a little help right now. I'm able to feel that abundance because it feels yeah, more normal yeah. to need some help sometimes. Yeah, I love that. And I, you know, I worry about that with my daughter. I'm like, she's so independent. I'm like, is she hyper-dependent? Yeah. You know, like, is she okay? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have friends? Do you have any? Yeah, like, are you working too hard? Like, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. I would say to add to that, what I, I think it's important for people to know their triggers. Mm -hmm. Sitting, yes. take a week and really be intentional about when you have any sort of emotion what is triggering that emotion I think that tells or they say your triggers are your teachers mm -hmm. so when you are wanting to change what are you wanting to change what are you coming in here for are you just like oh flying by the seat of your pants you don't really know or is it like this person is triggering me and I want to know why like my mom triggers me I want to get down to the root of why I feel so triggered by her when she says something, when she does something. So I just think, honestly, that's like my number one. Just know your triggers. And I think that ties back into like two, you know, really connecting to your body. I believe that yeah. our physical body is here to feel yeah. physical sensations, emotions, all oh. the things. Oh, yeah. And your body keeps the score. The body does keep this in my favorite books. Yeah. Um, and I think that the body is our messenger. It's, it's our way of connecting to what's going on. And when we cut ourselves off from that, we're cutting ourselves off from so much information. So like you said, when you're, when all of a sudden you have an emotion or a feeling come up, being able to stop and go, okay, what is this feeling? Like, when do I remember feeling it the first time? Like that, I do that a lot. Yeah. I'll have something come up, especially grief. And a lot of times it'll tie back into something with my grandma. And I have to go back and kind of, kind of reparent that younger part of me and kind of give her a little love and acknowledge yeah. that loss so that I can, not feel it today in a trigger that maybe isn't really yeah as powerful as the trigger yeah, might seem. Totally. I mean, even yesterday, for instance, I came home and I want to go to the pool, and I got all ready. I got my took a shower, I got my swimsuit on, I got my sunscreen on. I'm fully ready to go to the pool, and I go to get the key fob to get into the pool, and it's not there. It's not where it was supposed to be hanging <laughs> up, and it just 
triggered me so bad in my body my chest started pounding I was like feeling rage and anger and that's the works like why do I feel that because so another person that could happen to exact same scenario they could go to get the key fob like oh that sucks you know what I mean and have a totally different response yeah but to me it was like why is this thing not in the place where it's supposed to be I think a lot of that too comes with the spiritual growth and I think it comes with the realization that we're not really separate from one another and you know a lot of my healing overall if I was going to like title my healing journey I would say from your book title my book title I have like five book titles that I'm gonna write I have so much content it's crazy like we haven't even touched it but um would be like from victimhood to empowerment Mm -hmm. you know because I saw the world as happening to me I saw relationships as people doing things to me even like I even kind of feel hesitant today talking about these relationships because I feel like I'm saying they did this and they did this and they were bad and they were but and I now look at it as it was all like a divine plan I mean and I'm able to go back and in my mind and mostly in my heart I still have to work on some of them I can go back and say Thank you for playing that role so that I experienced this so that I could learn from it, heal from it, and help other people do totally. the same. I love that. And um, so it's that, you know, kind of that radical forgiveness of being able to move out of victimhood and realize that we are the creators of our life in every way and everything that we believe is what we're going to get mm. and everything we feel is going to be reflected to us and what anything we that we're not, what we say. think and yeah. what we believe about ourselves is how we're, we're teaching people how to treat us. Totally. And if I was operating from a place of not being good enough and and shame and body image well I'm gonna attract people into my life that are gonna treat me just like that and when I started operating from a place of like I deserve to be a hundred percent loved and attended to at all times I deserve someone who's available to me at all times not accepting crumbs because I believe that I'm not worth the whole I love that phrase of you are teaching people how to treat you. Yeah. And when you, when, when people come to that and and a lot of people don't, they're not ready to move into that. Mm -hmm. It's a big step to take responsibility and accountability for your life. And I don't think a lot of people are are going to do that or want to do that. And that's okay. It's like a different journey. Yeah. I know for me, I do, I want that pot of gold I wanted that freedom on the other side of the pain I wanted to walk into the world and just feel good about who I am and not worry about what anyone thought about me and just live my life and do the things I love Mm. and so that's kind of like the the end goal or the I mean it kind of is happening yeah you're there it's there. We're getting there. I mean, it's a daily journey. It's like the minute you think you've done yeah. all the healing work, it's like, ka-chan, here's something yeah. other layer. But. Well, you're doing amazing. I think this has been great. I, we could definitely talk more about where you currently are, but I guess just want to ask one final question on this, and I always ask my guests this, but it's just what is one thing you know for sure? If you had a megaphone to the whole world and everyone stopped in their tracks and was like, listen to Hillary, she has a megaphone, what would you want to tell people? Kind of on that same topic, I would want people to know that I'm going to say our physical bodies are designed to heal themselves, that we have great power within ourselves. And it comes from acknowledging who we are, being willing to feel and sit with our emotions 
and being able to transmute pain into more love. Mm, I love that. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I so we, that. I feel like we have an enormous capacity yeah, to heal. Yeah, we do. Um, that we don't, we aren't dependent on mental health professionals to label us or diagnose us or medicate us. We're not dependent on medical practitioners to do the same and to make us dependent on medications that created the problems. Um, instead, you know, we're able to say, hey, I'm experiencing this in my body. I wonder what's going on on a deeper level. And that's where the healing happens. I love it. Ah, well, we will definitely end it there, but I just want to say thank you for coming on and you're such an inspiration. I feel like I am you about, I don't know, 12 years later <laughs> following in the same exact I footsteps. know. When That's I listened crazy. to your story, I was like, oh, she's like a mini-me. Like, I know. We even kind of did the little but, travel thing. And but what's funny here. is that, but then in 2020, it was almost like I caught up to you. Then we experienced the same thing. I was going to say, it's like the, uh, that part happened at the same yeah. time, and yeah. I recognize that too, but it's yeah. interesting that we started in the same place with sort of similar conditioning patterns and then we both kind of left and went somewhere else but then we both ended up here at the same place with this beautiful community it was all meant to be it was divine well thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank Um, you it's been a great conversation I know it's going to help so many people Um, and again I loved her answer to what do you know for sure and that is you are in control of you nothing outside of you externally can fulfill you make you happy heal you it all comes back to you so happiness is truly an inside job yeah thank you so much thank you okay bye-bye bye seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.